Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright Podcast. My name is Ben Jones. And I'm Ian Saunders. Thank you for joining us today. It's January 8th, and uh, we're one week into 2020, Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think today we're going to wrap up a lot of our you know, quarterly updates from you know the fourth quarter of 2019, provide a nice little overview of 2019, wrap it up in a bow, um, and present you with you know what is happening right now as we move deeper into 2020. Um, if you think about last year, you know, Ian, it was another year where the market rode that wall of worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that great graphic that we use in the Daily Equity Report or presentations, and it it basically shows the Dow Jones Industrial Average, a point and figure chart going back in time, and all these major headlines. And at the time, what feels like a, a cataclysmic event. Um, you know, you would think that the market would just kind of you know turn over, right, and maybe move to another kind of bear market scenario like we saw in the the late 2000s or the you know early 2000s. Uh, but it seems the market just rides this wall of worry. I mean, going back in time, you have you know the you know Greek debt crisis in that 2010-11 time period, uh, government sequestration with the budget crisis in like 2013-14, taper tantrum. Um, you had Ebola. You have now what we're facing. Uh, you had the trade wars last year, tariffs. Um, now you have a, a serious situation in the Middle East with Iran um, and how that is affecting and impacting you know, crude oil prices and, and you know, increasing the uncertainty. But you know, time and time again, we've seen the markets have been resilient, mm-hmm. especially when you look at U.S. equities. And that was a dominant theme last year. It was just like the dominance of U.S. equities really across the board mm-hmm. um, relative to all the other major asset classes. U.S. equities continues to lead, um, you know, our dolly rankings. And if you look at, you know, just general performance, I mean, the S&P 100 was up over, you know, 29%, just pure price return, up over 30 on, you know, including dividends on total return. Um, you compare that to other asset classes. I mean, U.S. equities are basically at the top of the list, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ran, you know, some returns in our report this day today in the ETF spotlight, um, looking at you know some of the best performing you know ETFs, um, looking at every single ETF out there, and the top ten list is dominated by U.S. equity ETFs and U.S. sector ETFs. I mean, maybe with a few exceptions of, of maybe some you know sector funds, maybe from the international markets, but uh, time and time again, U.S. equities uh, were resilient last year and deserve to be in that top spot. Absolutely. And, I mean, you, you, they were up the top top of our relative strength rankings, as you mentioned, last year. And we actually saw with the, the wrap-up of, de- of the last decade at the mm-hmm. end of last year as well. I mean, that was a pretty consistent theme throughout the last 10 years. I mean, as we um, ended the 2010s, we saw that the U.S. equities asset class was the number one ranked spot in Dolly for almost within half a percent and 90 percent of that entire decade, um, which was a, a pretty significant feat uh, right. say for that asset class as a whole. Um, and we saw that reiterated in the in the, um, the ETF performance summaries for both 2019 and as well as just the fourth quarter. Um, like you mentioned, there, if we look at that all ETF performance summary, the top 10 there, most of those names are going to be um, those sector-specific funds that have, have done pretty well for there in the fourth quarter, looking at a lot of some biotech and technology mm-hmm. names. Um, and then we saw that um, for 2019 as a whole as well. Technology really kind of led the way for domestic equities throughout most of the year. And it makes sense given its number one ranking from a sector perspective in Dolly as well. Yeah, you brought up a good point, right? I mean, we talk about wrapping up Q4, wrapping up 2019, but we wrapped up a decade, mm-hmm. right? And you know, what was interesting about the past 10 years um, is that you know, U.S. equities at the top of the list, right? The S&P 500 pure price return up right around like 188%, I believe. Um, 
you know, if you look at, let's say, the previous decade, it was a lost mm. decade for, for U.S. equities. The S&P 500 was down between 2000 and 2010, uh, excuse me, into 2009, down 24%. Money market was up 30. Like, investors were better off, you know, just putting their, you know, cash in cash, right? Uh, what was interesting is that uh, it wasn't a lost decade in the 2000s for other asset classes, mm-hmm. right? Like commodities, um, you know, the GCC, you know, index fund of wisdom tree was up 91%. Emerging markets, EEM was up 131% during that time period. So while it was a lost decade in the 2000s for US, it wasn't for other asset classes. Mm-hmm. But the past 10 years, different story, right? It actually was a lost decade for international and commodities. I mean, the past 10 years, GCC commodity index was down, uh, index fund was down 28%. Um, crude oil using the USO ETF was down 67%. Um, international equities, we call it a lost decade because they just trailed um, US equities by such a large margin. I mean, emerging markets, EM was only up eight. Um, EFA developed markets only up 25. So um, the past 10 years was definitely a lost decade for, you know, any really portfolios that were heavily allocated towards commodities and international equities and any underweight um, to U.S. equities definitely would have struggled. So that was an interesting thing the past 10 years for mm-hmm. sure. Now, when we look inside U.S. equities, Ian, you know, we look at kind of what styles and, and you know, sizes were, were strong um, last quarter and last year. Uh, what do we see? Yeah, so speaking with last quarter, last three months really specifically there, um, kind of an interesting diverse list of names at the top of those performance rankings. Um, The number one uh, performing ETF over the last quarter from just the broad kind of size and style um, classification there was actually Dividend Achievers ETF that Mm -hmm. was up over 12% there. Um, And then we get your Qs, you get the broader NASDAQ composite, um, then you get some growth focus names, some buyback. I mean, there's there's a, a variety of names in there that really speaks to that broad participation from domestic equities as a whole. Um, but when you look over to the 2019 as a whole, looking at the full year, um, mostly growth names that you see right. up at the top of that list. Um, all those, all the top 10 performing um, funds on the year based upon this classification, we're all up over 30%. So pretty significant outperformance that we see there. Um, and it makes sense given the, the risk on environment that we saw for most of the year, makes sense that those growth areas would be those higher performing spaces. Um, and looking at areas that underperformed, unsurprisingly, again, in the fourth quarter, low volatility really right. um, seemed, seemed to underperform. We, we had pretty steady, consistent gains for most of the last three months, and that led to um, some low volatility-focused uh, funds underperforming a little bit. Now, another interesting point is that none of the funds that we were looking at in this classification, um, none of them had negative returns for the fourth oh. quarter. So pretty much everything was up. Just some things seemed to be up uh, significantly more than others. Yeah, it's a lot of breadth for sure. And, you know, again, what does this mean for 2020, you know, going forward? Well, you know, if you look at Dolly, um, we have the, the size and style ranking. So taking the nine, you know, traditional U.S. size and style boxes, you know, I think small value, small blend, U.S. large value, you know, large blend. Um, the leaders right now, the top three, what? U.S. large cap growth, U.S. mid cap growth, and U.S. small cap growth. So, you mm-hmm. know, the relative strength still points that direction towards that growth style box. Um, I think we saw a brief period last year when value, you know, had a great week, you know, maybe a great couple weeks, but it just hasn't been persistent enough to see that value style box really across the board, small, mid, large, you know, rise up in the relative strength rankings. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned kind of breadth, right? A lot, really no negative returns within that, you know, domestic equity, you know, broad ETF group category. Um, you know, other evidence of breadth. So we have an indicator, it's called the BT indicator. So, um, you know, it stands for, you know, buy signal and trend. 
Um, so what we do is we track an inventory of stocks to see what percent of stocks in that universe or inventory are on a buy signal and in a positive trend. So if you type in BTSPX, you get the buy signal positive trend indicator for the S&P 500. And right now, 68% um, of S&P 500 stocks um, are on a buy signal and in a positive trend. This is the highest level we've seen since February 2018. So at the end of last year, we saw that you know crack through. Um, you know, it's basically it's April 2019 highs. I mean, that's a sign that um, you know over two thirds of that you know large cap universe um, you know, have you know really strong um, absolute signals of trend and buy signals. Mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting though, if you expand the universe and you look at the New York Stock Exchange, which you know, includes more smaller size companies, it's only down around 48%. Um, and it's, you know, the chart is a very different picture than what you see for the BTSPX, the BTNYC, you know, trading still below kind of your April 19 levels, well below your, you know, January, February 18 levels. Um, and we still have to get it back to about 60% to see your 2018 high. So it's just interesting. I mean, that's some of the headwinds that you see in these larger universes that have uh, had a lot of you know energy names in them last year, small cap names. So um, what this does mean though, is that we have seen breadth within US equities, confirmation by performance, confirmation by the BTSPX, even though the BTNYC is lower than you know some of its recent highs, it's still moving mm -hmm. higher, right? Mm -hmm. So you're still seeing more stocks begin to move back to positive trends or be in a positive trend and move back to a buy signal. So I think that's a positive sign for U.S. equities going forward. Absolutely. I mean, that's even given the slight pickup in volatility that we've had over the last few days, we haven't seen that much, I guess, the downside movement, definitely from the indicator's perspective. And even in looking at the actual point figure charts of the broader in indexes, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of a pullback, but nothing overly concerning. Um, one other point, so you, you mentioned there the last, uh, last decade that we wrapped up um, was really a lost decade for international commodities. Commodities. Mm -hmm. um, but I did want to touch on as well. We've seen both of those areas. I mean, they were the underperformers for 10 years. Um, they picked up the pace a little bit, especially in the, in the in the fourth quarter there. I mean, if you're looking at the uh, the Dolly rankings, that that tally history that you can view on, on the Dolly page there, um, domestic equities has obviously continued to pick up the buy signals, but so has international equities really mm -hmm. since the end of August. And commodities is big the big uh, the big gainer over the past uh, several weeks here, um, moving within five buy signals now of that third ranking. Uh, asset class fixed income with um, 174 signals compared to 178. Um, and we saw a few of those um, areas start to pick up the pace there, looking really mainly at um, gasoline a little bit over the mm -hmm. last three months. Um, but were there any other interesting areas and commodities that you noticed there? That yeah, I'm glad you brought that because you think about Q4, right? It was kind of a photo finish at the end when you mm -hmm. look at um, you know what areas in the global markets you know kind of you know, outperformed the last three months, and um, really across the board, you know international equities were competitive, they weren't competitive for the decade, but they mm -hmm. were the last three mm -hmm. months of the decade. Um, you know emerging markets think up close to about ten percent uh, last quarter. You know you look at broad commodities, you know the broad baskets of you know Greenhaven Continuous Commodity Index, GCC, iShares, GSG, up about seven percent. So slightly underperforming U.S. equities, but still competitive. Within you know commodities, it really was a rally led by you know energy. Um, you think crude oil, gasoline, um, as well as precious metals. Right, mm -hmm. we saw um, palladium you know respond, platinum respond. Um, you didn't see really traditional safe havens rally 
um, as much. You know, I think gold and silver. We have seen them kind of you know rally at the beginning of the year, given some of what's going on in the Middle East. Um, but I think the the real the bright spot was crude oil and energy, and you know it just really wasn't a, a recent event, right? Mm-hmm. Based off of what's what's ha- happening right now over there, um, it really was something that was transpiring really since the end of um, November. I mean, um, you know, if you look at kind of crude oil for the quarter, you know, looking at let's say the IPATH, Goldman Sachs crude oil ETN, it was up about seventeen percent huh. um, last quarter. If you look at the equity side, right? So like just oil stocks, oil service stocks. Um, what's interesting that we're seeing there is that on the sector bell curve, you know, at the end of November, those two sectors were in that 16 to 20% range on the BP, on their bullish percent charts, meaning that less than 20% of stocks, so again, we're talking equities here, in the oil and oil service sectors were on buy signals. It's a very washed out, oversold sector. Mm-hmm. Um, in the month of December, um, we've seen it move higher and actually cross above 30%. So it's interesting. If you use that sector bell curve, you can look at different dates. Oil, oil service really washed out into November. Um, it was kind of anomaly because everything was clustered around that 50% range. Um, those two sectors really stuck out, but now they've kind of caught up with the pack, mm. so to speak. And this is just in response to you know kind of rising crude oil prices and something that we're watching you know right now. But um, you know for the year as a whole in commodities. Um, you had to own, you know, precious metals or you know anything tied to energy. Um, any allocations towards the AGs or softs, um, you struggled, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is just kind of typified what we, we saw this past decade was just, you know, weak. I mean, we saw some bright spots for commodities of the past ten years, but um, again, when we talk about trends, we talk about momentum. There was no persistence, mm-hmm. and, and that's just. You know, what we saw with some of those commodities. And, and that's what we'll be looking for. I mean, we've seen the persistence from domestic equities, and we're starting to see, we started to see spurts of it for international equities mm-hmm. in 2019. Um, really specifically, um, in the latter half of the year, some of those emerging market spaces. Um, China is really, I mean, in looking at the that inter, that international equity ETF breakdown there, um, most of those, six out of those top 10 funds had some exposure to China within there. So that was pretty strong, um, consistent outperformance of China really over the last three months months here as we might be leaning towards wrapping up some form of trade agreement here right. in, in the near future. Um, and that showed through in the price return. Most of those were up over 15%. Um, so some pretty con- um, consistent, at least near-term outperformance that we'll continue to look for as we head down what uh, the, the new decade. Yeah, and it's good that you bring that up because like with international equities, you know, most strategic asset allocation portfolio is going to have a, a larger weighting towards international equities and their tactical counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the are you know inter- international ETF models um, fairly diverse in their exposure, a little bit of developed, a little bit of emerging. Um, a lot of the the models that are involved in kind of country rotation based strategies, um, you know, still have some like the the Latin American exposure. Um, you know, some still have a little bit of, of Asia, but we've seen that. Um, you know, kind of you know, slowly work out of it. You know, one interesting model looking at like the iShares, you know, emerging model on our system. You know, we see that is is heavily allocated to like you know Latin America with Brazil. Um, it has Asia fifty. It has Russia. It has Taiwan. It has India. Um, you don't see a lot of you know China right now, mm-hmm. um, but we can see that potentially kind of rotate in some of these portfolios 
if those trends continue. Um, using some other products out there, you know, we have seen, you know, Taiwan seems to be mm. a stable position in a lot of our international country rotation strategies. So, and, you know, that's something to watch too. And that was actually one of the uh, the kind of surprise addition there and looking at the all ETF performance breakdown. Mm-hmm. It snuck into the top 10. Um, the the iShares Taiwan ETF EWT with a 13% return on the year. So definitely some kind of consistency there with the with the um, the model projections. For sure. And, and then, you know, you think about kind of, you know, how all these you know trends are moving in and out of place and oftentimes when we try to you know describe what's happening or you know look for you know causation you know we often turn to the u.s dollar right to kind of mm-hmm. help make sense of what's going on in commodity markets and international equities and um and you look at this past quarter i mean the, it was a weak quarter for the u.s dollar uh, down about three percent um, you know, that has certainly helped, you know, kind of foster some of the rallies in, you know, these other asset classes like international and commodities, at least from a U.S. perspective. Mm-hmm. But for the year, though, it was basically flat, right? I mean, the dollar was, you know, up about, you know, 34 basis points. Our basket of foreign currencies, the DFXI, was basically flat down, you know, 0.04. Um, you know, you really had to, if you were, you know, trading currencies, I mean, the pound, um, you know, really had a banner year, right? And we saw it kind of break off the bottom. Um, the IPATH GBP USD exchange rate ETN up about 15% last year. Um, you know, that said, the, the euro struggled, the Swedish Corona struggled. Um, and so it just was a kind of a, a middling year for, for currencies overall. You didn't really see the dollar be a major driver um, in some of the trends that we've seen like in previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, with like fixed income, um, you know, what an interesting year for interest rates, right? Kind of hit those, you know, multi-year lows and then start to rally and work off the bottom. I mean, every quarter, if we look at these performance tables and the leaders, um, it kind of flip-flopped, right? Mm-hmm. One quarter, you know, we saw kind of high-yield, you know, corporates and convertibles and preferreds lead. The next quarter, it was everything that was defensive and quality, like, you know, long-term treasuries, intermediate treasuries. Um, so if we look at this past quarter, you know, it was led by the high-yield corporate bonds, um, international debt, especially in, in uh, denominated in local currencies. Um, but for the year, it was a good mix, mm-hmm. right? Just because the way that interest rates move and we saw convertibles and corporate bonds lead. We also saw zero, um, you know, coupon U.S. Treasury ETFs outperform. We saw, you know, long-term bonds, the BLV was up 14%. So, um, you know, definitely a year with plenty of dispersion, um, but some choppiness in between. So, uh, but interesting trends where you know you could have had a, basically a portfolio of just like high quality long term U.S. Treasuries and some you know high yielding high risk bonds, and you would have done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we see a lot of our models positions today. It's you know a mixture of municipals, um, you know a mixture of some high yield corporates. Yeah, wonderful. Well, it would. With that, it seems like we pretty much touched on just about every asset yeah. class that we could there. Um, there was, um, d- did want to mention as well, um, we have coming up here soon a, a couple of events. We have a the beginner series webinar that's going to be um, continuing here on, on Friday. Uh, revamp that uh, schedule a little bit this year. So if you're new to the platform, new, new to Dorsey Wright, definitely a great spot to come in and take a look at. Um, we also have, I want to be sure to mention, a, a new best practices workshop that mm-hmm. we're working on. Uh, so this was an initiative that we started there last year, doing some smaller, more um, focused workshops, uh, kind of half-day workshops in different areas around the country. Uh, we're going to be doing 
doing one in Boston in March. Um, and so do want to be sure to let you know that um, you need to sign up before February 15th to get that early, to lock in that early bird pricing. So if you're around the Boston area or interested in common, definitely a, a great place to check out. You can see both of those events there in the Daily Act Report and the Were You Aware article. Uh, that's right. And, you know, again, if you're on the other side of the country, Pasadena, California, <laughs> right? I mean, yep. um, we had the Relish Strength Institute out there February 5th. So if you're interested in that, you know, log in, register for free. Um, it's a great event to learn about relative strength, the investment methodology, the process behind a lot of our strategies. So definitely check that out as well. So again, that's we have some great events coming up. Mm -hmm. Beginner series, best practices workshop in Boston, relative strength institute, um, you know, out in Pasadena, California, early February. Um, you know, again, we also have our Monday videos that we put out. So mm -hmm. if you can't make those events and you still want to <laughs> see us and hear from us. You know, you can access you know those videos uh, through our research platform or our YouTube channel. Um, if you don't like the videos, go to our Twitter account, right? Be able to you know get some you know updates, some daily, weekly updates at uh, by following us. It's at Dorsey Wright DWA. Um, you know that's on Twitter. Uh, so there's some great ways where you can access the research and updates outside of just the research platform. So take advantage of those resources if you can. Yeah, wonderful. Well, with that, thank you for uh, thank you for for joining us here, Ben. Thank you all for for listening here on this Wednesday and uh, second Wednesday and. In January, second Wednesday of the new decade. Uh, so we we'll go ahead and wrap things up this morning. Uh, we look forward to having you all back next week. Mm -hmm.